Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Betfair's Racing Only Better podcast. Ahead of the weekend's racing, we are going to be focusing in on Saturday, Cheltenham's action and Doncaster all on main channel ITV. So plenty of eyes on the racing action, specifically with the focus being at Cheltenham, of course, their December meeting kicks off on Friday. That is also on ITV, ITV4 though. We will not be covering ITV's racing on Friday due to a variety of different reasons, but fear not because Daryl and Tony have plenty of written content for you. Head over to betting.betfair.com and see all their tips and selections. They have some strong strong fancies all on the website. So head over to that if you're listening to this ahead of Friday's racing at Cheltenham. But we are going to kick on with Saturday's action before with a very quick check-in with the boys. Dan Barber, I shall start with you. How are you? Are you looking forward to this weekend? Do we have a podcast of strong fancies coming up, please? I'd like to think so, yeah. I always look forward to this weekend. It's you know, I'm a properly Christmas person. Decorations have been up for a while. Nativity's taking place, and I just need to add to that with a few winners, but that's easier said than done. Mm, lovely. Uh, Daryl, it's a bit like the calm before the storm, isn't it? I mean, it's not that calm. It's a Cheltenham two-day meeting. But you know what I mean before the Christmas storm that is in racing? Yeah, building up slowly to it, aren't we? It's uh, it's going to be a fantastic period for, sh- for sure. I love Christmas, don't know about you, but uh, this time of year for me just brings me out in pure joy. But uh, I'm having a bit of a bad run at the minute, so I'm hoping that this is sort of the calm before my own storm, if you like. Like it. You're just going to fire back into action at peak time. What it's worth, I'm not a big Christmas fan. Couldn't give a flying duck about it. And I'm spending it on my own this year. Uh, so don't feel too sorry for myself. <laughs> Everyone get the violin out. Uh, TC, you're a Christmas man through and through. I know it. But more importantly, you're a weatherman through and through. Hit us up with the weather for this weekend. Are we going to get a bit better ground at Cheltenham than we've had recently? Yeah, just call me the Grinch. Um... Cheltenham is soft ground Um, it's been pretty much dry from about Wednesday onwards but bizarrely the going stick reading has deepened uh, as it stopped raining so I'm expecting it to ride plenty soft enough I don't expect it to dry up it's like I said it's dry from here on in but it's going to be soft Uh, it's heavy in places on the uh, cross country course Doncaster is always uh, also a dry forecast. It's good to soft there. Um, so, yeah, decent ground there for once. So it, it's good we're going into it, not having an entry-type scenario where it turns basically unraceable. So it's going to be soft at Sheldon, good to soft at Doncaster. Okay, lovely. We'll take that then. TC, I will start with you as we kick off with the 115 at Cheltenham. It's the handicap chase on Saturday. Don't forget what I said at the top of the show. Friday's action being covered by the lads in written form over at betting.betfair.com. So head over for Friday's tips. We are kicking on with Saturday. 115 at Cheltenham, handicap chase time. In Excellus Deo is your seven to four favourite for the Harry Fry, Jonathan Burke team in the JP McManus colours. Calico next best at 15 to eight. Funambul Savola in there at nine to two. That is your top three in the betting TC. I'm kicking off with you here. Where did you land in this handicap chase? Um, the first thing to say is, I mean, it's, thankfully the, the race has held up quite well because there's only eight in here at the five day stage. We only lost one storm control. And, and that one runs on Friday. Um, I think in Excelsis Dio is the right favourite. 
But you know, I think I think the market's been lured in by the by the sexy late closer last time. And, and also I imagine it's the fact that he's seven to four favourite has got a lot to do with the fact is, you know, six of the seven have made the running in recent starts, and he is the only confirmed late closer in, in the field. So and, and obviously he's his third last time um, over course and distance has worked out really well. The second's now rated um, seven pound higher, uh, and the fourth is rated four pound higher. Um, and he's only he only went up went a pound for that. I can fully see the case for him. I cannot fully see the case for him at seven to four because um, I think you can make a case for at least three or four of these. So um, in Excelsior Dio was the way I was leaning. I was looking for at least five to two. Uh, so I'm not going to have a bet in the race as the prices stand, but. If the favourite drifts, uh, I'm, I could be tempted by five to two, but maybe that's unlikely. Dan, are you in agreement that the favourite's too short? I mean, he, you know, lots of people have latched onto him after the run here last time, as TC said. But is this price too short now for him? No, I don't think it is. I think he's. Um, oh. I think he's got so much going for him that I wouldn't. I certainly wouldn't want to be laying him at seven to four. Um, He's basically got upside, which a lot of these don't have. We know so much about Fernandez, Savola, Baron de Middleton, Prince Escalus. Madara saw him in the paddock. He's, he's tiny. He looks his age. And the fences have looked to struggle on both his starts. There's loads of pace to chase. Calico got worn down by triple trade. In Excelsior, in Excelsior Dio basically ran the same race as triple trade and absolutely sprinted up the running. I thought he had loads more to give. And I think the setup is absolutely perfect for him. Not loads of runners to try and work your way through. As Tony said, the race has lost only one horse from the five-day stage. And that's good for me because I liked him earlier in the week. And I like the fact that all the pace has stood its ground. All right. So strong vote for the favourite then, as opposed to TC, who thinks he's too short. Most likely win a bit too short. So Daryl, settle the argument. Where have you landed? Yeah, I've landed on him as well. I concur with both what both of the lads Ooh. have said. Um, thought the ground was lively enough for him last time. He was trying to make ground coming down the hill and he was sort of just bouncing up and down on the spot and it wasn't until he swung around to the turn into the home straight that he actually really moted home. Um, softer ground here, I think, would be much much more to his liking. There's, as Dan said, there's loads of upside. With that run under his belt, he's entitled to improve. Not had too many starts. His mark looks very fair. He actually ran exactly the same circuit time as the winner that day at Cheltenham. So he probably was not best positioned uh, as, as things turned out. I think there's lots of like about him. I, I do I do think there's probably a little bit of juice in Fernando Sivilla's price because while that in Excelsior's day, you know, you could argue looked like a two and a half mile of running over two miles. Fernando Sivilla's quicker source in this race. Now, you've got to forgive the last couple of runs, but he's got a good record third time out. Uh, he's back left-handed. Um, I just was hoping the ground was going to dry out a little bit more for him. I think his mark's fine. He won the grade two uh, game spirit. He was given six pounds to a uh, 156 rated horse in El Dorado Allen. And uh, I think uh, um, I, th- I think he's got a squeak. But yeah, look, I'm with Tony in terms of the price. I think I was looking to more to f- sort of a five to two. So I can leave the favourite alone. If Fernando Sivilla goes out, I can see him drifting a little bit bigger to about sixes like he was earlier in the week. I'll probably have a go on him. But I was torn between the two, to be honest. There's no strong opinion after all that. (laughs) 
Okay, okay, glad we got there in the end. But the overriding view is that in Excel's this day has plenty going for him. On we go to the 150, which is the competitive December Gold Cup handicap chase at Cheltenham over the two and a half and a bit miles. And Thunder Rock has been the anti-post favourite for this for a while, is now three to one up the top of the market. Sean Bowen in the saddle for the Ollie Murphy team. Mon Morale next best with the wind operation behind him, making a seasonal reappearance in a race like this, five to one, fascinating to see how he gets on. Harry Cobden has gone with him instead of Il Rodot in here, which Bryony Frost picks up the ride on, obviously ran so well in this race behind stage star. He's around six to one. So Scottish in there at six to one, fugitive at sevens. Fakir Duderi's his top weight over from Ireland for Joseph O'Brien. We know what he can do. And he's into a handicap. Really chunky, meaty handicap, Daryl, to get stuck into here. Love to see it. Have no idea who's going to win it though. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's a cracking race. It really is. Uh, look, Thunder Rock, yeah. three to one. Like ever, you can see the positives for him. Obviously, beat Marlon Mission, went on to the Coral Gold Cup, uh, and finished second there. Next time behind that's right, Gino in the uh, novice champion at, at at the end of last season. That obviously won the Coral Gold Cup. Five lengths behind Jerry at Sand. The, the, the form is there. You know, you'd have to be a blind cat to miss it, really. But three to one for me is is, is, is short enough considering he's in a big field now. He's he's jumping. Has got frailties. They spoke, um, I think, during the off season that they were considering going back over hurdles. So look. Three to one is very fair. He's the form pick in the race. Is he better than one four six? Quite possibly. But this is a pretty deep race. Um, Mom and Rao couldn't have him for the life of me. Jesus Christ! I don't, I, I don't see that the, the case for him other than Harry Cobden choosing him for Paul Nichols. If any of the lads can enlighten me, I, I'm, I'm all is. Uh, so Scottish is very interesting. Obviously, with Fakir Dowderi's in here, perhaps keeping the weights down for for that one. I, I actually really fancied him for the plate at the festival last year. Put him up for 33 to 1. He was a touch like 3 to 1, I think, the week before. And then on the day, he was 7 to 2 out to 11 to 2. He just didn't, everything went right for him that day. He sat in box seat, he jumped foot perfectly. He just didn't really have any answers when Mark Walsh asked him under pressure. And maybe there was something wrong with him. Maybe that's why the tongue ties on now. You'd have to think that when JP picked him up, he thought he was going to be better than a 1 4 1 horse. So he's going to have claims. <clears throat> I'll get to it. The one I'm, um, I've landed on his torn and frayed for Nigel Twiston Davies and Sam Twiston Davies. I thought he really caught the eye for me uh, in the November meeting. I thought he travelled really strongly. It was a race in the Paddy Power Gold Cup where the cream really rose to the top after the third last. Uh, stage star, not long till May or a fugitive, uh, who's likely to run a good race in the unexpected pie. He was on the tail of those horses turning around, but it, it just faltered for fitness. He just literally died coming towards the second last and he unfortunately come down at the second last. That was a run after 658 days off the track. They've obviously persisted with him for a reason. He dotted up here uh, last January when beating Galahad Quest off 131. Now, he's a couple of pounds out of the handicap, but like you'd like to think he'd need more than a couple of pounds in hand to win this race anyway. Uh, I think uh, if the ground does dry back slightly in his favour, uh, that would be in his favour. I think a double-figure price. We're paying four places on a Betfair Sportsbook. I think that would be a, a fair each-way bet, trying to look away from those towards the top of the market. It was very hard to split, in my opinion. Okay, love it. Torn Afraid then currently at 16-1 to 1 with Betfair on the Sportsbook. And the Nigel Twist and Davis team continue in fine form as well, around, I think it's about 28% strike rate. So they couldn't be in better, Nick, either. Nice, me, tasty each-way Price from Daryl then with Torn and Frayed. Over to you, TC, for the December Gold Cup. Yeah, I actually actually um, took a flyer on Torn and Frayed last time. 
I was a little oh, dis- right. I was a little disappointed with him. He, he could never get to the lead, which is obviously a big negative. And I never thought he travelled with with any real menace around there. And he was obviously well beaten when he was there. But I could like I can see the case for him just on the on the fact is that I can't see much pace in the race. And I think he could get the run of the race. Do your job could maybe pester him, but I couldn't see a lot of pace in here. And, and maybe if it does dry out. It'll be slightly better ground will be in his favour as well. So I, I can see the case, but I can see him recoiling from that. And and also, um, obviously, three pound out of the handicap, you know, it, it could be crucial in a race as tight as this. So that said, I mean, I if I'm going to have a bet in the race, it might be him, sixteens uh, each way, four places. But I probably won't have a bet. I just I I do like I can see Monmorel off off that mark. I definitely can see uh, Thunder Rock, uh, our old mate Ferrero Bombu. You know, if he didn't, he didn't break your heart last time. Then you know you're, you're a brave man to go in again. You know, but he took the last time with him there after trading at 103. He is three pound out of the handicap, but he is three pound well in, so he, he runs off his correct mark. And I'm probably not going to have a bet in the race, to be honest with you. But if I am going to have put up a tip uh, on my Saturday column, it might be Torn and Frey 16s each way four places, but. I'm undecided. I have got stronger views later on, so stay tuned. (laughs) Stay tuned. Well, we are. We are staying tuned. Don't worry. You've got that written copy already in the bag for Friday, so you'll have had loads of winners by this this point anyway, TC. Um, Dan Barber, um, Daryl was mentioning there in terms of the jockey bookings uh, between Harry Cobden and Bryony Frost. That was actually something Paul put out on Betfair with the chat with Barry Ori does on Monday, doing a wrap up from the weekend. And he actually announced then that that was going to be the jockey booking situation. So it's been in the diary for a little while that Harry Cobden would be on Mon Morale. Should we be worried about him? Is he a horse that you're keeping on side in a race like this, given everything about him? at this stage with his profile? Yeah, I, I can see it, yeah, but not, not at the price sufficiently to want to bet him. I mean, he did look a really proper horse. A really proper, that's shocking English. Um, he looked a proper horse as a juvenile hurdler, didn't he? And then chasing didn't work out initially, but we've seen the the Nichols window work wonders many a time over the years. And coming back fresh, straight into a handicap, does strongly suggest that they think one four five, but the, it is a good mark. But the thing for me is whether he's going to withstand like the hurly burly of a race like this. It's going to be quite a culture shock for a horse who was running in a lot of small fields. But he ran into some proper novices, didn't he? Really proper novices, if you want to <laughs> revisit that phrase. Um, but Daryl, <laughs> we don't. <laughs> no, I don't think we should either. And that's you saying it uh, at the top. Fakir Dudaris is um, Daryl's saying. Does feel. It feels like a plan, doesn't it, that they've got him in there, keep the weights down for so Scottish. You're nudging a few of them out of the handicap at the bottom. And frankly, I go back to one piece of form that I think is the best piece of form in the race, and it was achieved by so Scottish. Best handicap form, anyway. It was achieved by so Scottish against Boot Hill over the wrong trip. He pushed him really close, might have even got to him as he's had his run started a bit sooner. That was in Boot Hill's backyard, two miles at Ascot. He's basically unblemished around there, and he's now got a time form rating of 159. So to do that over the wrong trip, I still think he's a well-handicapped horse, and his reappearance was clearly a means to an end to get him fit. The one I might keep on side rather than Monmoral is Grandeur Dam. Now, I appreciate that the weather before might be rubbish, and the time doesn't exactly give you much confidence to the contrary. 
But I really rated her when she ran in bumpers. I thought she looked like she had a big engine. And it could just be the case that only now is she really finding her feet. So I might keep her on side because God knows the, the handicap has gone for a, well, he went for an eight pound rise for Weatherby. With her out, being out of the weight, she's 11 higher. But his his guess is as good as mine as to what that form is really worth. It might be five pounds too low. So I might keep her on side at 14s, but I'm, I'm on a double JP bandwagon here. She going for the change, is she? She, he, he. <laughs> the change of the menopause, isn't it? I, hope, I don't think he has. <laughs> Dan, let's not go down the menopause route on this show. Dan, I'm going to stick with you as we move on to the 225 at Cheltenham. Um, she's got Dame in her name. He has. <laughs> it is. It's the staying handicap chase, three miles at two furlongs um, <laughs> for the stayers and three under through five, obviously beaten in the Badger Beers when we last saw him. It's 100 to 30 at the top of the market for Harry Cotton and Paul Nichols. Uh, taking on Broadway Boys, had such a good time of it of late, seven to two. Mal and the girl in there at five to one, who was so impressive when we last saw her at Cheltenham. She's back over for Gavin Cromwell. Gavin with a few runners this weekend at Cheltenham. Protector at fascinating into a handicap at five to two off the back of disappointing in the Betfair chase at Haydock. Those are your top few, Dan, and I'm going to let you have first stab at this one. Yeah, it's interesting this, isn't it? A few horses who have sort of earmarked for these type of races stay in handicaps. None more so than City Chief, who I was keen on last week at the anti-post stage when he was due to go to that London National and he was taken out. But I do think this was, it's a race, isn't it? The the Grand National that Nicky Henderson has never won. And he's he doesn't really deal with these plodding types as a rule, does he? He's, he's more, we, we associate with great two-milers rather than great four-milers. Um, but I do think City Chief has got real improvement in him. And uh, firstly, I want to welcome as well the, the fact that Protector actually in a handicap, I just love to see. I think that's a a great initiative, and it's it's doing something that a lot of trainers wouldn't. He's giving fifteen pounds away to the others. He's probably got a stiff task because when you get to right marks in the one sixties, you've not really got much further to go. Is he really going to be able to run to one seventy or something? I'm not so sure, but um, I can see a case for easy as that. Now he's up in trip. They'll go a slower tempo. He was completely out of his comfort zone in the November Gold Cup, the Paddy Power. Um, but he did some good light work from an unpromising position. But I'm on this city chief train that he's on his way to a potential Grand National campaign. And this is the next step on the road after a reappearance at the track where he got kicked out of the way in the end by Molina Girl. But I thought he blatantly needed the run. OK, city chief currently six to one then for Dan. TC will bounce up to you. Um, have you got something at a bigger price in here? It's, I don't know. You can pick holes in a few of them up at the top of the market anyway. Uh, Melina girl, five to one again. I'm a bit undecided, but I she was so impressive last time. I know the form wasn't great, and she's into much deeper waters here, up eleven pounds. But God, she travelled through that race and and won very well back that day. And Cloudy Glen, who's the horse who's best when fresh, actually backed that up quite well when fifth in the Coral Gold Cup. So. Yeah, I, I'm probably leaning towards Melina Girl here, but fives isn't much of a giveaway, you know, given the given the upgrading class after that win last time. And she has got an inconsistent profile. But against that, Cromwell's obviously five winners in the UK already this season. He was having a he's having a very quiet spell in Ireland in the last uh, three or four weeks or so, but he's had a double at Nace today, so very well backed double at Nace today as well. So 
Yeah, I'd, I'd lean towards Malina Gale at five to one, undecided whether I'll tip or back her. But if I am, she will be the one. Okay, after impressing, as you say, when we last saw her. And Daryl, final word to you then. Who else would you like to throw into the mix? I, I quite like easy as that stepping up and trip. Actually, I think she, I think uh-huh. Valencia quite fancied him um, at Cheltenham for the for the Paddy Power. But it, like like Dan said, everything just happened too quickly for him. The start of the race, he's not the best jumper as well. So the two and a half miles, like I just think it was a whole shock, the the, the whole shock to the system for him, and uh, he stuck on quite well. I think I think he's long been a, a three miler in the making. So I just think he's the one that comes here with sort of a bit of an unexposed profile, and he he, he could go well. The money has come for him a little bit since declarations um i think there's untapped potential there i think he's well handicapped to, to a point whether it'll be over this three miles or just it'll be in, in lower graded races than this i'm not sure but i do think he has the possibility of improving for this step up and trip i'll just give rapper a little mention because uh this horse seems to win every christmas or new year or around this sort of time of year um richard patrick's back on for the first time since uh he ran up staying on at Sandown behind Castle Robin. Alice Steam has been on the last twice. Now, he was abysmal on his seasonal turn at Kelso. He pulled up. He had an irregular heartbeat, the vet said afterwards, but he stopped very, very early. Um, he bolted up here in January last year. Absolutely bolted up. He's a couple of pounds higher. And uh, with not a lot of these looking as though they're particularly thrown in, um, he could cause a surprise if he if he's on a going day. Like I say, this time every year, I don't know if it's their Christmas money or what it is, but he seems to come good at one point. So if there's money for him, okay. I'd keep an eye on him. Okay, but easy as that is your main selection, yeah? Yeah. yeah. 11 to Rapper two. be a very fitting winner, wouldn't he, at this time of year, let's be honest. Not oh, tackled mine yet. Rapper. Not tackled mine yet. I haven't done any shopping yet. As I said, no. I hate Christmas. Anyway, on we go. <laughs> Three o'clock uh, is the Albert Bartlett. Vanessa Scrooge. Says, it's the grade two. I'm just so alone that it's just a really tough Oh, game. don't okay. oh, oh. All right, I'll call you Bob Cratchy instead then. Um, three o'clock at Cheltenham, guys, is, as I say, the Albert Bartlett novice settle over the three miles. And Shanag Bob is your seven to four, very clear short price favourite, Daryl. Um, taking mm. him on as the likes of Destroy the Evidence at four to one, Cattle in there at six to one, Yes Day at eight, further down, also at bigger prices. Um, but Shanag Bob, as I say, short enough priced here. What a, like, I mean, we, We've got so much, so limited evidence at this stage. But I guess the question is, how impressed were you at Plumpton with him? I mean, yeah, surprise, I, but I was seriously impressed at Plumpton with him. I thought he would be slightly underestimated given he, where he started out at Plumpton. But obviously, connections have forced him towards the top of the market. I can see him taking a little bit of a drift. This is probably a bit more open than his price suggests. But I was really quite impressed with him. The time was was pretty good. Uh, on the card I thought he powered through the line I thought the step up and trip is only going to bring out further improvement in him his point to point the horse he beat in his point to point called Gorgeous Tom went over and went out and chased down Caldwell Potter last week and that race recorded a bloody blister in time and uh, he he won that yeah he won that point to point very easily over that horse so I'd be I'd be very disappointed or very shocked if he couldn't run to 130 that might just be good enough to win this. Destroy the evidence is the horse um, who's going to be vying for favouritism. I think come the off this this is a this is a nice horse who just finds and finds and finds. But he's probably one that's going to trade higher in running because he's just off and on the bridle all the time. 
Um, but I think this Shanao Bob has, has got a bit of pace about him, and I think he stays all day. So I'm looking forward to seeing him, seeing him getting getting out. TC, how are you playing this race? It's the kind of potential of Shanao Bob against the experience of Destroy the Evidence and a few others too. So, how which angle are you coming at this race from? I know um, it won't be the short price favourite angle. I spoke to Nico this morning. They weren't giving much away about Shanna Bob. Obviously, the step up in trip is going to suit, and the more galloping track will suit as well. It's got the price tag, got the connections. Certainly, hasn't got the price at seven to four. Uh, I'd probably, <laughs> if you'd ask, if you ask me honestly, who would I favourite? I'd probably have destroy the evidence as favourite. Um, wow! Backed him already uh, this morning at eleven to two. The sportsbook are ducking him at fours. I can see why I would have very, very little between the two at the top of the market. Um, so, yeah, uh, on a wider marketplace, destroy the evidence is a very, very good each way, about 11 to 2. But my main bet and my main tip is Genie at 12, but 25s. Um, now, from a stable, Rebecca Curtis stable was having a very bad run of things um, and very quiet. Um, only four winners this year and just. It's not really firing at all. They haven't really caught fire for a, for a few seasons. But I had a good look at these uh, two horses, this horse's two runs this season. I thought he ran much better than it appeared at Chepstover, two mile three, first time up. Prominent throughout, dropped back when the when the pace turned on, but he stuck on again. Um, quite like the way he stuck on again over two mile five in what could be a decent race at Ascot last time. But the key to him is obviously not only the price, but the stepping up to three miles for the first time. Now, um, I went round all the point-to-point sites looking at the the, the reports um, and the race itself when he won his point over three miles. And apparently he's just an absolute grinder. And that kind of like backs up what, I've, what I saw at Chester and Ascot. So I think the step up to three miles last time uh, for the first time uh, under rules is a big positive. That that point that point wins all right as well. I mean, because the second came out and won for Lucy Wadham on the first start since at, at Warwick last month. So yeah, I, I'm just basing it on what I've saw the run style and the point win and the fact he's 25 to one. And I can just see him improving enormously for the step up trip. And of course he has to. He has to improve at least a stone. But yeah, junior as well for me at 25 is my main bet. If you can get fives or bigger on the exchange about the Kim Bailey horse, and Kim Kim Bailey's having a brilliant season as well. We mentioned Twister. Kim Bailey's having a great year as well. I think he's operating 25% this season as well. So, yeah, I play two, but my headline tip and selection will be Genie at 12 if the 25s holds. Beautiful. All right. Last race to look at at Chantham on Saturday is the 335, guys. It's over the two miles, four and a half furlongs. It's the Mayor's Handicap Hurdle. Dan, I shall start with you here. Bonte is your three to one favourite and your outsider is 16 to one. I love the nightlife and Stainsby Girl at 14s. And you can make cases, you know, Stainsby Girl, it's not that long. You know, she's been in relatively good form not that long ago. So it tells you how competitive the 10 runners are here. Um, I'm hoping for three different opinions in this race so that we've got lots of darts at this very open-looking board, Dan. I, I never want that. I always want us to agree. I'm, not because I'm no, like some, I love of, the three darts. some hippie peace it lover, a, but it's a bit more conviction, isn't chance. it? It gives it us a gives chance. It gives us a chance. Yeah, anyway. Um, 
the one who's arguably got most to prove, but I think he's the best handicapped horse in the race and is the one out back is Nurse Susan. Um, okay. She was a rare horse to win on debut on really testing ground with no prior experience of any racing. She looked really good in that first season. Very promising. She pushed Love Envoy fairly close. She was fourth in the Mayor's Novice at the Cheltenham Festival. She reappeared off a long break in a really good... They went chasing for the first time. You can understand why, making up for lost time, etc. But it was a big ask up against that really smart four-year-old of Nikki's called Arclight, who's taken so well to chasing. And she didn't quite see things out off the long absence, but I'm expecting her to be better for the outing. That's the, that's certainly the hope because you don't want her to be bouncing. Um, and I think one, two, five is a real gift of a mark based on what she was capable of as a novice. As, as the, That's the key point. There are doubts because she's had this long absence and she was beaten 20 plus lengths, but I, I reckon that this, it's part of their plan. So they've tried chasing. It didn't work out. I think they've probably seen, well, she's 125. Let's have a go at a handicap hurdle before we return to chasing. And she was top of my list. Okay. Nurse Susan then for the Dan Skelton Yard at five to one. It's been well documented that their horses have been needing the run. She has that now under her belt. So a vote for the nurse. Daryl, over to you. Please, do. Dan will be happy if you've landed on the same horse, but I won't be. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I, think, I think I think potentially she's the best handicapped horse in the race. Uh, and I found that because, well, partly because I was looking at Zestful at a bigger price, who I think is a four-year-old with a lot more to come. Uh, she got as close to a horse with no name when she ran in the uh, here at Cheltenham in April earlier this year as Nurse Susan did, but she's got to give her five pounds. Um, I think there's uh, obviously a little bit of concern about the well-being of Nurse Susan, but I do think the step up and trip is going to suit her. And back to her, it's going to suit her. This is Karma Waters on the whole, if you like, to what she was facing last year. I just wouldn't rule off this rule out this Cesspool who made an okay seasonal return. The, the worry is she she's been off sixty three days since running at Chepstow, but two and a half miles is a trip. Soft ground won't be a problem, and she is very progressive. But I think Nurse Susan is probably too well handicapped for her to cope with. Okay, are you going to make it the three then, Tony? No, with Nurse uh, Susan. No, no, I didn't fancy her at oh. all. Uh, I quite like. Um, I'm not getting hung up on the fact that she was sixes on Tuesday. She's now just threes because uh, we lost six from the five-day stage. And I just think she's growing on me all the time. Um, again, it's kind of like three to one is probably the limit of what I want. So I wouldn't say she's a great price, but I certainly wouldn't lay her at threes. And that's normally the best betting barometer of all. Um, I just think I think she's got loads going for her. Um, um, I don't think she was overly busy when she was second over a two-mile tour at Market Raisin. Then she was actually smashed up when we were in at Kelso. Uh, one at Hereford, scrambled home at Hereford, but um, I went up £5 for that, which is half enough, harsh enough. But it's interesting, Fergal O'Brien said immediately after the race that she's coming here for, for this very race. So this is the target. Stepping up to two-mile four uh, for the first time is going to be a massive plus on run style. And maybe on pedigree, um, it really, really should bring about improvement. She's got the Cheltenham form, two bumper wins, second to Queen's Gamble in a listed race. I just think everything is set up for this horse. Um, it's just a matter of what you know, it's don't get me wrong, I think there's I think this is quite a deep race, but 
I think oh, I'm, I mean, if I if I don't back Bonte, I'm not backing anything else in the race. Yeah, I'm just tossing up whether Freeze is big enough. Um, okay. Uh, so yeah, Bonte for me will be a confident selection, but everything's got his price, and uh, you know, I'd I'd hopefully she be hit fours on the exchange, but Freeze isn't bad for us. Bon- and oh, it's okay. and it's Fergal in the last. Fergal always wins the last, doesn't he? Yeah, that'll be interesting, won't it? The tactical angle, because we've seen so many of these December meetings where it's Paddy going as wide as possible and being on the best ground. And we didn't didn't really have any of that. In fact, at the November meeting, I thought if there was an advantage, it was sticking to the inner. Yeah, there's loads of horses. There's loads of horses. Uh, You had to be favoured by the inner, actually, on the two channels. Tintin Tin went really wide in the the day I was there for RTV and... His first run since he won at Lingfield in the week, so it was it definitely did seem that way, which is counterintuitive to the norm, isn't it? Yeah. Okay. Well, we will look forward to the tactical angle there. The boys are facing at, at the top of the market for the mares there in that competitive-looking race. TC, let's bounce up to Doncaster. Couple of races to cover up at Doncaster on Saturday. We will start with the two hundred five, the handicap chase, where Mister Who is your seven to two current market leader. Closely with Serendipity next best, eleven to four currently with Betfair on the sports book. Four to one, five find the time. Bigger prices elsewhere. Cruise control is eight in there. Um, is this a race that you have managed to find a betting angle, TC? Uh, it's quite frustrating, really. I mean, it's it's um it's a similar scenario. The horse I like is the horse that the the odds compilers at the sportsbook like. It's deeper blue now. Eight's in the place, and Sportsbook eleven to two. I mean, obviously didn't miss anybody's eye at Plumpton and, and went up for that. Probably harshly so, but uh, lightly raised profile. Um, yeah, I probably probably lean towards deeper blue here, but I'd want. Given the profile, given the race, um, I couldn't really work out the the pace angle either. Maybe Mister Who, but I've got three others that could possibly go forward as well. So, quite a messy little race, but deeper blue. Um, she's currently around about sevens already on the exchange. So, I think sevens. If you can get sevens deeper blue on the exchange, I think that's worth a little tickle. But I'm not going overboard in that race because, like I said, I, I think it's quite trappy. All right, did Daryl? Did you find it as trappy as TC's found it? Oh, I thought Deeper Blue would take a world of beating, and this thing is thrown in, oh. thrown in off a of mark of 129. Uh, particularly on the speed figures of what he did over hurdles, anyway. Really encouraging, um, really encouraging to run at Plumpton last time. His jumping needs a little bit of work, but that, that that can come. He sort of improved as he went throughout the race. The amount of ground he had to make up on, on Sacre Coeur, who just took the took the race by the scruff of the neck and just sprinted for home around those sharp bends. A track like Doncaster was suiting far, far better. We'll see him in a much better light today. 129, very workable in a race like this. I don't think anything else is well hand- as well handicapped as the Harry Fry horse. And I can't wait to watch him run. I think he'll absolutely hack up. Oh, wow. Two strong nods then for Deeper Blue. Um, Dan, are you in agreement with the boys with Deeper Blue, who, as TC says, is bigger elsewhere, but are currently 11 to 2 with the sports book at the moment? Yeah, two stood out to me above Mr. Who, actually. He was one, but okay. the negative isn't that hard to find, is it? It's the fact he's made the track only twice in about two years. I mean, he's obviously been very fragile. I'm glad they've given him a break. It was a massive leg catching run, as they're saying, and one that very much suggested all his ability is intact. But equally, fragile horse like him, there is some downside. The one I think he's nailed on to give his running, 
and also improved for stepping back up in trip is serendipity. They made him favourite now, but I'm not against him at 11 to 4. We like a form figure readout. Just a bit of background to this. On the 8th of June, Sue Smith had a winner at Utoxical Copper Beach. Then in traditional style, but perhaps even more so, they were very slow to get fit in the autumn. And then she didn't have another winner again until the 18th of November, which was East Street falling in at Weatherby. Since then, she's had five winners and her last, these are a list of her, at the time of speaking, last six runners, form figures, one, 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 two, one, two. Siadu's horses are really fit, really fit and firing now obviously in rude health and the key has been horses stepping up for reappearances. And he did that serendipity, took a big step forward, despite I've never had him down as a two miler. I thought that spoke very favorably of him that he was able to def- to defy that potential negative and no shock at all that they see him go back up to 19 furlongs now on a more galloping track. Um, Schofield was aboard for a double Sue Smith ran two at Rays, and when I was there the other week, both won, both handled by Nick Schofield. I don't know if it's the start of some sort of tie-up, but he's the one who's able to benefit from the yard being very, very forward now after a slow start. He is a very streaky trainer. Always has mm-hmm. been. Oh, I'm doing my best to hold this in. This <laughs> <laughs> bloody trainer form stuff. I'm <laughs> not a fan of it. Well, I just like if Serendipity was running over four miles, that, that sort of like how how her horses have done would be irrelevant because Serendipity doesn't want four miles. Do you get what I mean? No. So that would go do down, that would go down as a fifth on, on the list. You know? Yeah. You know what, but, but what if I, what if I was training for a marathon and I did no training and I did, I did two runs and then went into a marathon. I wouldn't be fit enough to cope, would I? If I had six or seven training runs, I'd be in a much better shape. I mean, fitness is a factor. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No. Oh, no, I agree with your fitness is a factor. It's just like I don't it doesn't appeal to me that a horse over three miles is a good reason why a horse over two miles would win. Even like obviously like, if you're saying they improve for the run, all their horses are proven for the run, fair enough. Maybe she leaves something gone to improve. But throughout the season, I don't understand what that horse winning over three miles has anything to do with a horse that could win over two miles. Do you get what I mean? Okay. So yeah, yeah I just like think it's breath. general well-being, isn't it? Of a yard, it's it's just a it's just an animal. They can have snivels, they can be unfit. When the, when you get a yard okay. that have a bunch of winners, then like she has, I think, I think it's significant. All right, well, we are going to roll on, please, because we've got a couple of the races left to cover, guys. Uh, Dan, I will kick off with you uh, for the two forty up at Doncaster Physically. on Saturday. <laughs> Pardon. We're going to start a fight by the sounds of it. I will kick off with you. If you carry <laughs> I'll on kick talking. off with you. Yeah. Yeah. If you carry on in that vein, uh, Jin Coco looks to back up the win from Ascot 72. Harry Fry, Ben Bromley taking over in the saddle, obviously, with that five pound claim will be worthwhile. Uh, sort of negates what he's being put up. Clear white light, the well bred clear white light, four to one. Look, I love it when you see these sort of horses. A Dubawi out of a Galileo mare from a Group One winning family for Adrian mm. Keatley. Love to see it. Rare edition, <laughs> 11 trainer, to 2. Those, those are your top three in the market, Dan. Uh, you can take first stab at this handicap hurdle. Yeah, part of him is a lamb that he's running in a handicap to some extent. He's reappearing this time of year. But I know this is a horse that Tony was very sweet on last season as a novice. And there's been plenty of occasions down the years where a Longsland horse might have lost its form at the back end, but then 
when he gets them freshened up again, they can return um, in better nick. And the horse in question is obviously rare edition. He's had rare. he's been fresh twice in his life, and he's won a bumper convincingly, and he's slashed upon his hurdling debut as well. He then winged around Kempton that day, looking very promising once more. Seen off Rubode. I don't think Rubode was the horse then that he is now, but it's no negative that he gave that horse a proper snot in. He didn't run his race at all on his last couple of starts. He was PO. His final two form figures were PO, as were those who they were probably the same <laughs> after backing him. <laughs> um, but we know, I say this a lot, but we know a lot about these horses, don't we? And he might be the one in the field that's still got this untapped potential. Like Jeremino, Glorious off the they're essentially summer jumpers. Soaring Glory's been a sore disappointment, really, going back to how good he looked winning the Betfair hurdle. Maybe he'll click, but he got put in his place by um, clear white light when they met there the other day. So I'm just banking on rare addition, getting back to his early season form. Now he's been freshened up again. Um, he has blowout potential, but that's the nature of a horse like him. TC, I think I can see you nodding along, Mary. Are you with your pal rare addition then at 11 to 2? Uh, no, again, I like a sports book at a bottom price, but I, again, I think they're probably right. A mark of 136 is, is very feasible. Uh, I took a really shit price about him for the Supreme as well after that uh, after that Kempton win in a very good time. Um, yeah, I can see it, but 11 to 2, quite a deep field. Sportsbook are playing four places, so if you want to play each way, 11 to 2 is probably a, f- a fair price, if not outstanding. It's clearly not outstanding because it's bigger everywhere else. Um, the one I'm going with is an old friend of mine, Brian Hughes, on Nayati. Now, Clearly the most unsexy horse in the field at a nine-year-old. But I'm absolutely amazed the stewards didn't ask a question uh, after that Huntingdon reappearance, albeit, you know, use looks like a seven-pound claimer at the best of times, but he, he didn't look oh. he didn't look too energetic here at Huntington. So I couldn't see this. I don't see why the stewards didn't ask, ask a question there. And I, if I was the handicapper, I certainly wouldn't have dropped him two pound for it. Um, I just thought it was just totally a, a, a run to ignore. They've had that run. He's at down to a mark of 130. That's two pound lower uh, than when you know, winning on New Year's Day from a from a good subsequent winner. Um, look, look, I reckon he's the type of horse who'll go off 30, 40 on the exchange because there's a lot of sexier horses in here. But I think he's on a really good mark. You're in a very sexy mood today, aren't you, TC? I know. <laughs> Keep saying right. it, doesn't he? Keep Are you wearing it? a lingerie? Only, only do I look like right said Fred. Um, I actually, uh, <laughs> I talk the talk as well. My art is too and, sexy uh, for this field. Daryl's going to combust like Mr. Creosote here. But one of the one of the main other main reasons why I'm backing the horse is the uh, resurgent form of the Donald McCain yard. Now he was three percent in October. It was 9% in uh, November, but it's now 5 from 19 this month. Uh, they've obviously turned a big, big corner. Stable form, no matter what Daryl says, is a vital part, a component of any form selection. And that is one of the reasons why I think Nayati of 130, with that run under his belt, off that mark, is probably worth a win-only bet. I'll play, I'll play him win-only. Um but because uh, they might have something further down the line if they dropped get a, 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 a get dropped a few more pounds here, but 
and what I saw at Huntington and what I saw at Musselburgh last year on New Year's Day on that ground. He's got a good pace to aim at. Yeah, Nayati for me. Uh, currently 18s in the sports book, four places if you want to back him each way. I'll be backing win only on exchange, 20 to 1 plus. <clears throat> All right, Daryl, don't combust at the, at the no, trainer no, no. place, no, no. but we would like your selection in this race. Yeah, okay. Well, I would just say, <laughs> no, I will give you a second. <laughs> Sorry. Um, I have I have t- t- tipped up and backed a rare edition at nine to one earlier in the week because I, I understood he was, oh. he, was, he was going here. So um, I do like his claims. I think two grade one runs last season. He obviously wasn't himself. The figure he did at Kempton when he beat Rubo was pretty electric. Suggest he was much better than a sort of mid 130s horse. I think he was the best of the British in the Supreme in a betting for the Supreme um, before his hunting to defeat to Marble Sands. And perhaps he was just outstayed a little bit. As Dan said, he's got two wins fresh. One of those, um, he's won here in, in a hat canter, really, when he beat Matchless. Um, I know he's worse off at the weights, but he was, it was an effortless victory that day. Hopefully he's been freshened up and hopefully Bradley Roberts claiming five off effectively off one three one means he could go well. I thought um I would probably get involved again and it would probably be this time with Jin Coco. Uh I know we know this a lot about this horse, but we know this horse can run up to his mark. He was a step back in the right direction last time. I was fitting of the tongue tie Ascot. Ben Bromley negotiates that rise and claims five. Very difficult to get what he did in the 2022 Great Wood out of your head where he steamed home chasing home. I like to move it, pulling miles clear of the rest of the field. I think there's untapped potential to come from this horse. Um, if can forgive his return in the Welsh champion behind me online. But um, yeah, I think he's got a, a good chance. So I'd probably go in again in this race, or I will go in again in this race around 7-2 with, with Jim Coco. I've never heard of that, okay. Bradley. But, but then again, I, I never. That's the yards, to, uh, the yards conditional. I think. Yeah, you're right. It's glimpse not, of Gala, that mare that just takes lot, stays all day. Yeah, it's not. He's he's all right. I guess. All right, um, and then TC. I think it's just you for the last the three fifteen at Doncaster, the three mile handicap chase, the last of the three races. ITV will be showing, and it is very wide open. You've got eleven runners declared. Mister Coffee is fifteen to four with the Betfair Sportsbook, the market leader. Forward Plan five to one. Whistle in the dark five to one. Sail away eleven to two. Nesta Parker eight. I mean, this is really is wide open, but it is a race that you do have a selection in TC. I do. Um, I'm going to have to check my computer because I think the sports book might have spyware on my my written notes here because they're, they're going fives whistling the dark. I backed whistling the dark at 13 to 2 this morning, well, early this afternoon. Um, I think the 13 to 2 is a very fair price. I think you you may well get that win only on exchange. I'm, I'm backing in win only. Um, found things happening all too quickly for him in the paddy power uh, last time. Probably ground might have been too soft. I think stepping up in trip on better grounds is the key to him. Uh, it was progressive at the end of last season. I think he won at Perth. You were probably there, Dan. You're always at Perth, aren't you? Probably, yeah. I think, uh, Daniel McBarber. Does your um, <laughs> Does your wife think you've got a lover in Perth or something? Um, have you seen my face? Probably, I was going to say, the, the prospect of you having two women that fancy you in, in the UK is... It's very slim, isn't it? it is, it's, yeah, it's, I'm just laughing about the... There's a Christmas theme in this. This is your evening on Christmas TC. Mr. Coffee to start, two shots of tequila, and then Trump 
for dessert. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I am partial to an Irish coffee. Yeah. Oh, beautiful. Yeah. 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 Uh, anyway, back to Whistle in the Dark. Um, I think, like I said, all of the all of the um, arguments are put forward stand true, but none other than the step up in trip. Now, um, he's obviously unproven over it, but he's a brother to a three mile winner, and the dam is stamina laden who's um, related to none other than a Scottish national runner-up and a Welsh national winner. Now, off the top of your head, can you tell me what they are? Say that again, TC. Sorry, I was, I was replying anyway, to you. Anyway, he's related to Shotgun Willie and uh, Mini Sensation. So, All right, okay. Step up in trip, the dam is. So the step up in trip really should bring him into his own. Like I said, I think the better ground, step up in trip, decent handicap mark. I think Whistle in the Dark is... A very, very good bet if you can snaffle up some six to one or bigger on the exchange. Beautiful. All right. Well, it's just about time for naps then, I think. And I'm going to start with Dan Barber, please. What is your nap of Saturday's ITB racing? Take it to the bridge and go right back to the top. The horse we keep struggling to pronounce, I don't know why, but in Excelsis Dio, first race that we discussed at Cheltenham, strong pace, creep through, quick and away win the grand annual afterwards. <laughs> Lovely. In Excelsis Deo. Love to see it in the JP colours. TC, your nap. Thanks for quite a few. But at the current Betfair Sportsbook prices, Genie Etoile at 25 to 1 to relish the step up to three miles. Big swing. I wonder how the naps table's doing, actually. We haven't had an update on I'll that. I'll, I'll, I'll commit to that. We've obviously just gone by the wayside. I'll commit to uh, starting it up again. Oh, good. Okay. Uh, and Daryl, your nap, please. Yeah, and I hope that we are, well, we are judged on BSP, so hopefully uh, he'll have a little drift, but Shanagar Bob in the three o'clock at Cheltenham. And can I just finish by saying quickly... I have never once used trainer form for any selection and it's taken me from a building site to sitting on this show with you lovely people. So just to the listeners out there, there are more than one way to skin a cat. To skin that cat. There's See, a, I, have, a lot I have and I've ended up on this podcast with you lovely people. Well, exactly. There you go. Two there fine go. examples. Um, if you'd have taken advantage of the trainer form, you could have been not doing this. You could be sitting in a very, very big mess. <laughs> 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 we'll, we'll just all agree to disagree on this one, as we often do on this podcast. Look, guys, thank you very much, as always. Don't forget, listeners and viewers out there, we haven't covered Friday's racing, but if you want Daryl and Tony's tips, then they are in written form on betting.betfair.com. So head over to the website for their Friday selections if you are listening to this ahead of Friday. Uh, but if not, then good luck on Saturday with our selections. Also, of course, offers and extra places on the website as well. So do avail of that. Do it responsibly, though. Have a good weekend, and we will be back on Monday with Wade In. Have a good one, guys. <laughs>